0: And welcome to another episode of Elements for Life with me and my good friend Lucas here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we are going to be picking up from the book 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Um, previous episodes, we, we talked about rules one through four. So today we're going to crush five through eight. Um, so there's there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. I believe that I'm hoping it can definitely help some people. Um, so to get started here... So we'll do, so rule five, which is, uh, so it talks about do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. And for me, being a new dad, uh, at least I should say when I was reading this book, I knew I was going to be a new dad eventually. So I I personally, I thought this episode was was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, this one was kind of hard for me to relate to because i'm yes. not, not a new dad, right. a dad <laughs> right. or right. in the process of being a new dad but no i uh, i could do it but i still found it interesting and beneficial yeah so the the gist
0: of this episode was um so basically let's say let's say you your child is misbehaving over and over and over again and you're you're not doing anything to, to correct their behavior and over time it gets so bad where now it's like you're really starting to get mad at them and even where he talks about is like you know what really gets bad is when you start to like really resent your kid because the problem is once you get to that point where you let it basically this was this is on you right this is your responsibility to nip in the bud but you didn't so now your kid became so like terrible (laughs) that you start to resent them and if this happens what can happen is let's say in the future your kid now does something that's good which you should be giving them praise for what will happen is because you have this like deep anger towards this kid you won't give them praise and that's true hell for a kid like if they do good and you're not praising them when they deserve praise for doing good and you don't get really give any reaction or you're even like angry like oh so what who cares big whoop like that now that can really jack up a kid you know and I thought that was that was so important about, like, basically how, again, like how important it is to be a responsible adult. And even if you're tired, even if whatever you, because we all have stuff going on in our life and to not let, not let things go too far. Like, yeah, you know, you can be a little lax, but don't get, don't let things go so far that, that you're basically going to hate your kids.
1: Yeah. No. and, And I remember he talks about that. And the part that I found really interesting is you know if you he talks about how if you go along and you don't correct that behavior and you know it comes time for your kid to now be integrated into society right and Mm -hmm. to interact with other kids you know with the teachers other adults and whatnot if your kid has never learned the boundaries yeah of what is right or wrong based on you know societal norms and they keep acting out. Other kids, other adults will actually shy away from them for sure, and not want to interact with them in a yeah. social setting. Yep. And I th- I want to say there is a statistic that he quoted. Yeah, he said that a kid
0: should be socialized by age three. Yeah, and that, that if, that's, uh, that's insane to me. Yeah, and if they're I would have never thought that, I would have thought you know maybe age six, ten. Yeah. I didn't realize how important those first three years were.
1: And if they're not. By that age then it becomes very detrimental and it's really hard yeah. to do a course correction
0: exactly yeah he's yeah he really does he really does uh talk about that point about how it's almost impossible to get them out of that mold yeah because once other people start to dislike him now all of a sudden he's socially isolated and when someone's socially isolated like how do we feel we feel crappy and now instead of most instead of thinking like oh how do i become a better person sadly what most people do they get more angry now they act out even more. Yeah. So it's just this perpetual like downward spiral.
1: Well, and after reading this too, I kinda looked back on different time periods of my life when I was, you know, had interaction with maybe let's say a group of kids. You know, they were, I don't know, let's say four or five, whatever, however old they were. Um, and you know, in that group you may have some kids that are very, you know, Socially mature, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're easy to yeah fun to be around. With. And there's other ones that you're constantly correcting, right? And I and I got kind of just looking back on my interaction, and you do, you know, possibly tend to either avoid the kids that are you know not socially um, integrated well, mm-hmm. or you're constantly like trying to correct them, yep. which they take as a negative thing or exactly. as a sign of disapproval, and then the kids that are socially you know integrated well you do spend more time with them and they get like this positive reinforcement yeah. from it
0: it's fun for you it's fun for them like everyone yeah. wins it oh man this stuff is like it's it's so cool and um so man just like with like with our kids i think knowing how important this is by age three like because i was think it was kind of crazy when god see this um you know uh whatever family members friends where basically they were trying to discipline like a Mm two-year-old and you know before i really knew any better i was just thinking like what like what are you doing man like they're only two they don't they don't know any better right yeah but i mean it really is the perfect age like now is i mean that's you should be doing that stuff right that's when you need to be correcting all this
1: stuff so that way hopefully you can prevent all these issues later on i guess what my question is though is what is the fine balance between correcting enough to bring them up responsibly and properly from a social standpoint, but not overcorrecting so much that now they're afraid to learn like boundaries. independently think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it, honestly at the end of the day, to me it's just about I just want my kids to be kind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I see anything that shows that Um, they're being unkind, they're hitting other people, they're being mean to me, that's automatic, like cut that crap out. Like that's unacceptable. You know what I mean? Versus like what you're saying is, uh, you know, maybe they're doing, I'm trying to say like something maybe may be considered a little bit dangerous. Mm Mm-hmm. Like oh maybe they're they're jumping off uh, a big pile of sand and they're they're jumping down like back in my backyard yeah like if I had a kid that was like jumping off that pile and was like landing like yeah it's it's dangerous but I'd let that go yeah, like, yeah could they get hurt maybe but it's like does it teach independence yeah is it you know what I mean there's there's yeah. some there's some risk but there's also fun involved and I think that's a growing opportunity especially for boys like I think it's boys who are always doing like stupid stuff that kind of like. You know feel yeah. good about ourselves and it's cool because like you build
1: up confidence what you can do all right? you know one thing that i found interesting that jordan peterson talks about in his book he shares like kind of a technique that he used with his own kids right and you see this a lot you know just because you have kids doesn't mean you want to like stop obviously going out in public and you see a lot of families that go out to dinner and you can start to tell you know when a three-year-old gets restless right they don't eat their food they start playing with stuff you know, maybe throwing silverware on the floor, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But it kind of stands out to the rest of the crowd from a social standpoint. And people may shy away from them or, or, you know, when a a toddler's acting up. And what Jordan Peterson says, so he was saying how when his, his wife and him, when they go out to dinner and they take the kids, you know, they understand that the attention span of their toddlers it's probably they only have like 45 minutes during dinner until their kids get real rest, restless and, you know, start to act up. And so when they take them out, their kids are really good for the first 45 minutes. And, you know, people come up and compliment the kids, you know, how well behaved they are. And, you know, that shows positive reinforcement to the kids, which is healthy for them. Mm-hmm. But then towards that the 45-minute minute mark, they know like, all right, they dinner's over we have to go do something else because the kids are just naturally going to get restless they're going to get sick of being there sick of sitting in front of the same food and so you know they pay their tab and they leave um and i think you know I, I thought that was kind of a you know a cool or interesting way to help integrate your kids socially but also you don't push it so far that now the negative starts to come out and they have that negative reinforcement
0: Man, honestly, I don't remember that part of the book, but that that is really cool though. Yeah, I, I remember so, some subtle parts about how he would say that people would come up to them and be like, "Oh my gosh, your kids are so well behaved." Like it was some kind of like uh, like almost like like you're lucky, right? Or like you didn't. This wasn't this isn't part of your parenting as much as it's just oh you got lucky kids. Yeah. yeah. And he talks about how like you know, it's not luck at all. I say, you know, I, I, I nip things quick mm-hmm. and, um,
1: yeah, that's so I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, moving on to, what Rule is it? Rule number, six. is it six? Yeah. So I'll yeah. go ahead and read that one off. I'll let so, you know. Uh,
0: so, uh, uh, chapter is called set your house in perfect order before
1: you criticize the world. Yeah. And we actually had to go back and kind of review this one right before the episode. Um, cause that. The title was almost kind of vague in relation to what he talks about yeah but then after listening to it, I think this chapter really hits home so I'll, I'll let you start on this one yeah so um he kind of talks about how like we all
0: suffer we all go through hard times in our lives and he talks about like uh there's this this uh the gentleman in Nazi Germany who is was a prisoner of war and he went through all these Tough times, his trials and tribulations, and even though like he suffered like so greatly, he still found meaning in that. And that at the end of it, he was like he was thinking, man, if I could somehow survive this and get out of, you know, um, all these prison camps, like I will have like a a really good story to tell, and I could potentially help mankind because I could tell my story and hopefully prevent this from ever happening again. And that was a guy that wrote that book that, um, what's that called? The Gulag Archipelago. Yes. Oh, that's
1: impressive. Cause I, did, yeah, that you remember that.
0: And, um, and they, they talk about how that book had like a profound effect and we haven't really seen anything since that. And, uh, Jordan Peterson was saying that this, you know, the, that authors, uh, his work and him suffering through this horrible thing, like honestly could have potentially changed mankind forever. So, anyways, what he's talking about is that, like, basically, like we're all gonna suffer. We're all gonna go through things, and but we can still find meaning in even like crappy times of our lives. Even you know, maybe lost a loved one, you're suffering a breakup, uh, you lost your job, whatever it is, we can s- still, you know, find like basically the silver lining of that. Like maybe this is setting you up for something greater in life that you're just not aware of because you're you know you're you're too. Uh, short-sighted that at the moment it doesn't really make any sense until later on in life and you know what i mean things kind of come together for you
1: you know what i really liked in this chapter and we were talking about this right before we recorded this episode was he talks about an experience that he had with a patient and this patient he never goes into a lot of detail but this patient essentially had a lot of like really shitty stuff going on in her life and the the patient tells him, "You know, I hope that all this shitty stuff that's going on is not some predetermined um, destiny defined by God, but rather um, it's because of my own doing. right And you know, it sounds kind of strange at first because most people are majority of people out there when they you know, hit something really rough in life, I feel like they almost look for a scapegoat to push the reasoning onto something else other than themselves. So Jordan Peterson asks this patient, you know, well, why, why do you hope that? Or why do you hope it's your responsibility and not some, you know, predetermined uh, fate? And she says to him, because if it is a predetermined fate defined by God, then there's nothing I can do about it. But if it's, within my own hands and my own responsibility, then I can potentially change that. And I thought that story was really powerful in displaying a mindset of taking responsibility for situations. And then by taking that responsibility, you can hopefully help direct the outcome of that situation. And now obviously there's going to be times in your life when you're not responsible for the actual cause let's say you lose your job you know it's not your fault that the company is going under and they have to lay you off but what you can take responsibility for is how you feel about it and your response to that situation and so i think that's the big take home from this chapter is even if you know deep down something is not your fault you still can help direct the course of your ship by taking responsibility for the outcome and for what happens from there on after. Um, And that's not something that's easy to do. I know I've been, you know, plenty guilty of trying to shift blame or shift responsibility in the past of, you know, certain situations. Um, But just lately, you know, in, in practicing, you know, becoming more mentally aware and building up this mental strength, it actually feels really good to take responsibility for shitty situations because it it makes me feel like I still have at least some sense of control and I can kind of guide that outcome. And I, I take some type of comfort in that.
0: Yeah, man. Really good stuff there, son. All right. Chapter Sabon. All right. So it talks about uh, seeking what's meaningful, meaningful and except I'm sorry, Seek what's meaningful over what's expedient, and what this uh, chapter is about is that sacrifice can be a meaningful act, and it's kind of he's talking about like, oh well, you know, life's short, and we should we should just take pleasure in all the great rewards of life. We should uh, we should you know basically drink, eat, and be merry, and because we're all gonna die, right? But he talks about you know, if, what if everyone really did that? Where would the world be if we all just seek pleasure all the time and we were just you know basically getting wasted and having big orgies like, yeah. what?
1: I mean, <laughs> like as great as it sounds that, immediate
0: i mean what we enjoy is our life today like none of this would have been here if people wouldn't have seeked out more meaningful things we wouldn't be able to grow as people you know if you're not doing um you know kind of like some some soul searching like some stuff we've been talked about in the last few episodes like doing like a deeper dive about your thought processes instead of just being like, Oh, you know, screw it. Like that. I just, this is how it is and it doesn't matter. And and
1: you don't question things. Man, never really grow. Think how, like if you were one of those colonials that was going to seek independence through revolution from the British empire, man, can you imagine? Like, I I can't like just knowing how shitty life is going to be and you're going to sacrifice tremendous i mean you may sacrifice your life or the life of your loved ones but your cause is so great that you're willing to just suffer through that yeah for something that is going to take probably years to accomplish like i can't fathom that it is
0: pretty amazing
1: like and we're here now because of because i know someone that we don't even know we probably have forgotten many of their names Oh, like Did all their It's something extraordinary. Yeah.
0: I know. It's it's unbelievable. Like, like today things are so easy. It's almost like we're trying to create our own problems because mm-hmm. we're just bored. Because, you know, maybe, you know, back in the day, people actually dealt with, like, real shit. Where, like, it's like, oh, well, we might starve. We might die. We might have to go to war. We might lose our kid to polio. Yeah. Like, all this, like, stuff we just, like, take for granted now.
1: Yeah, nowadays we're worried about not getting enough fucking likes on instagram and yeah. facebook like yeah it's hell? like it's
0: almost like you always displace problems right yeah. but yeah, we make on big problems
1: you know i think one of my favorite quotes from overall from jordan peterson's book here i believe it was from this chapter and he places it as a question and he says should victory in the present take precedence over trajectory over time oh yeah and i love that quote and Whenever, whenever I'm tempted, um, to seek like a quick thrill or a quick pleasure, I always think to myself, is that really worth it?
0: Yeah. You know? And I,
1: I feel like that applies to a lot of things in life. Like how many times are people tempted by
0: this? Do us one of the biggest ones for me.
1: Like, a, like getting tempted by like a get r- rich, quick scheme or, you know, dude, what about like, like
0: cheating on like your loved one. To me, yeah. that's like the ultimate one. Exactly. That's like a it's, it's a, it's a completely selfish, extremely short-sighted, quick fix pleasure. Yeah, to potentially ruin all of your relationship, or if you have kids, to potentially jack up them, just for, you know what I mean for whatever. Like an hour of your life is just. Yeah. I mean, talk about like the whole, you know, higher thinking versus animal brain shit.
1: Why do you think that it's so easy for us to? just get fixated on that present moment and not step back and look at that trajectory over time. I mean, I, why do you think that is for me personally?
0: I noticed that I make really bad, like lower level thinking when I'm stressed out, if I'm like big time stressed out, I'll do stupid shit. Like I'll think like short sighted. So I think like, to, I, I think like, that's why, I, you know, I know we've talked about this a lot is like finding ways to relax like finding ways to like stimulate your vagus nerve, you know, cold showers, meditation, singing, gargling, just, you know, take literally just taking a couple of deep breaths mm-hmm. and just kind of releasing tension in your body, letting your muscles relax. and Like just doing that stuff is like, it's the antidote to all that shit. So yeah. That's what I've noticed anyways for myself that I know that when I get really stressed, I make bad decisions.
1: No, I think you bring up a very valid point is People never take time to slow down and pull themselves back so they can think about the long-term, right? And, and I think thinking in the very near and short-term is a very animalistic instinct, right? It's almost like a survival mechanism. Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to do right now to alleviate whatever the suffering may be? Exactly. Um, and, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, I feel like everybody should try to find something that even if it's just 15 or or 30 minutes a day, for me, it's 30 minutes a day of something that allows them to just clear their mind and escape from not only the bad stress, but also the good stress in life. You know what I mean by good stress is um, let's say you're working hard towards, let's say a financial goal, saving for a house and it's going really well that yes, that's a good thing, but it's still a stress. And for me, like I was telling you today on my way over here, um, I just put on this really good um EDM music. And it's like it just took me to a whole nother area of my brain where I just forgot about, you know, all like the bad stress that you Getting know that that I state. have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The flow state. But I also I wasn't even in that that for that half hour I wasn't worried or, or concerned about any of my long-term goals that I'm working towards. It was just like this totally clear of mind.